Give me a lifetime of promises and a world of dreams. Speak the language of love like you know what it means. And you can't be wrong. Take my heart and make it strong. You're simply the best. Better than all the rest Better than anyone Anyone I've ever met I'm stuck on your heart I hang on every word you say Don't tear us apart, babe You know I'd rather be dead simply the best you guessed it today we're talking about Shit's creek you david welcome to pop culture catechism conversations about music movies and the longings of the human heart let's get started do you have enough money I mean, sure, you'd probably like more money, but do you have enough? Let me say it a different way. Do you have enough money to be happy? Let me say it a little bit different. Do you have too much money to be happy? That might seem like a ridiculous question, but I think it's one that the makers of Schitt's Creek are subtly asking throughout their entire show and hinting throughout the entire run. Uh, Today, I'm super excited to talk about this show, which has taken the hearts of America in many ways over its, uh, I think it's seven seasons, six seasons, something like that. Uh, And today, I'm super excited about the guest I have with me. His name is Peter Volk. He's a licensed professional uh, counselor. Um, And also, if you read his Instagram, Instagram tagline, he says... I help churches love gay people. I think that is awesome. So we're going to talk to him today. Before we get into it, I want to tell you uh, about our show. My name is Mike Tenney. I'm a uh, speaker and worship leader. I spent 10 years in Catholic high schools uh, teaching theology and also trying to make it at a rock star at night, uh, grinding in different (laughs) clubs, um, you know, up on stage with my guitar, trying to write songs and and, and make it big and win Grammys. Uh, But now I... Try to talk to as many people as I can about Jesus and also pop culture. So that's what we do here on this show. And if you'd like to support this show, you can go to popculturecatechism.com and become a patron. We have six giving levels. Just pick one that fits your budget and your tithe. And you get lots of awesome perks that go along with that, including exclusive content uh, for every episode and also talks that I give as I go around as in my speaking ministry. I record all my talks and those are all available for patrons of the show specifically today uh, for this show. After you're done watching this, you can go to the patron community in the Awaken app, and Peter and I are going to talk about specifically Ted and Alexis's relationship on the show. And should you give up your career for your significant other, or vice versa? And how do you know? So we're going to be talking about that. So if you're a patron, go ahead and check that out after this in the Awaken app. And if you're not a patron, what are you waiting for? Go to popculturecatechism.com and make sure uh, to support the show and support uh, everything that happens here at the studio. Speaking of the Awaken app, you can go to theawakenapp.io. It is a free app. It, it is. It does have lots of exclusive content for our patrons, but there's also lots of free stuff. It's a great community for Catholics and Christians. We're looking for a, a less toxic um, alternative to some things that happen on social media. 
Uh, it's got a prayer library. It's got a Christian music library. It's also a great hub just where you can get access to all the shows on Awaken Catholic. So if you haven't, download the Awaken Catholic app uh, by going to that site. So thank you so much to our patrons who support this show. But let's get into it. Let's talk about Schitt's Creek. Peter, how are you? I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, tell us about yourself. Yeah, uh, my name's Peter Volk. Uh, as you shared, kind of my day job is I help run a ministry mm-hmm. called Equip that uh, provides consulting and training to to churches to help them become places where gay Christians can thrive according to a traditional sexual ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a licensed professional counselor, and I meet with people um, navigating questions of faith and sexuality. Um, and then, and then I'm a, I'm a co-founder of the Nashville family of brothers, which is an ecumenically Christian brotherhood um, for men called to vocational singleness, uh, mm-hmm. to singleness for the sake of kingdom work with undivided attention. Um, and, and all this work kind of matters to me a lot because um, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian, um, because I'm gay, because I experience same-sex attraction, and because I'm convinced that uh, a, a traditional sexual ethic um, is God's best for for all of his people, uh, including me. Uh, and so a lot of my work is about finding ways uh, to make that work uh, in the church today. That is awesome, Peter. Thank you so much. And I've been following you for, for a few months on social media, just your Instagram and your Facebook. And just like, you know, I've, I, like, I've worked with uh, students for, for years. I, for 14 years, I was in the classroom and I've done a lot of youth ministry and uh, gay teens generally are, are not, not thriving in church. <laughs> you know, they're in, in general, um, they, they feel castigated. They, they feel left out. They're not sure to do what to do with all these feelings they have. Does God hate me? Um, and I just feel like the work that you are doing is mm. so important. And I've heard you talk about this before, because it seems that the message that young gay Christians tend to get is either repress, 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 don't talk about it, stay in the closet, hide away, or, you know, this is now who you are, right? This is, this is your new identity and this is your path and you will not be happy unless you, you know, do what society says you should do. And, um, I feel like you very beautifully in the, just what I've seen, what little I've seen of your ministry and and podcasts I've listened to with you on it, you really present this clear vision of a third way, um, where people can, can, who, who, take the Bible and a traditional uh, biblical ethic, as you said, who take that sort of stuff seriously, um, but also are, are being honest about what's going inside and, and, and trying to do what's psychologically healthy and emotionally healthy and deal with all that in, in a holistic way. Um, you're one of the few people I see doing that. So thank you for your work. I think you are doing incredible work for the kingdom. And I'm just, I'm, I'm so glad to talk with you here now for viewers and listeners. Um, some of you are triggered right now and, and, and that's okay. Sometimes we just talk about things that aren't controversial, but we're going to talk about some controversial things today. And there might be some things that I say, or that Peter says that might upset you. There might be some things that we don't say that might upset you. And this show is called pop culture catechism. What is a catechism? It is a tool for learning about the faith and going deeper into our faith. And so often through the history of Christianity that has happened through dialogue. St. Augustine wrote in a dialogue, just like Plato and, and uh, had, had Socrates writing in a dialogue. The Baltimore Catechism, one of the most famous catechisms, is written as a dialogue. Thomas Aquinas, when he wrote his, his great work, his Summa, is written as a dialogue. And so I am committed to the idea that through conversations with people, we can really learn. So you might not agree with everything I say or everything that Peter says, but um, in, in my prayers and preparing for this episode, I'm just 
praying that we can all draw closer to Christ uh, through this. And if you think differently, you can let us know. You can leave a comment and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it charitable, charitably. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Peter. and yeah. if I can... <clears throat> If I could clarify, maybe two things just from the start yeah, that sure. may calm some fears of some listeners. Yeah. Uh, the first is that, uh, you know, what is what does this guy mean when he says a traditional sexual ethic? I want to be clear about that. Mm-hmm. I think that God's best for, for all Christians is either a lifetime vocation of abstinent singleness for the sake of, of kingdom work with undivided attention mm-hmm. or a lifetime vocation of of marriage between one Christian woman and one Christian man with an openness to the important kingdom work of mm-hmm. raising children. And so mm-hmm. that's what I think uh, the the church has, how the church has historically understood the scriptures to teach about God's best for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, that's what I believe in. So that's what I mean when I say a traditional sexual ethic. Yeah. And then the, so the other question people might've had when they heard me share is he's calling himself gay. What does that mean? Yep. Um, you know, we probably won't get into that conversation here, but I just want to clarify that when I use the word gay or LGBT or queer to refer to myself, Mm -hmm. I'm only using those words to mean I experience same sex attraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not meaning using that word to communicate my theological convictions or, uh, sexual practices. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm committed to a traditional sexual ethic. Mm -hmm. I'm committed to celibacy, to vocational singleness. Um, but I think this is relevant to the conversation we're having about, um, about culture and about, uh, Schitt's Creek Mm -hmm. is that, you know, uh, some in the church maybe prefer for people to use the phrase same sex attraction. Mm -hmm. That phrase is never used in the, in Schitt's Creek, right? uh Those aren't the words that the kids, in our pews yeah. are using to talk about these topics. Yeah. And we are already going to have enough time, a tough enough time convincing them that God believes in a certain way about this. And that it's mm-hmm. wisest for us to follow God's wisdom. If we had on top of that, an additional hurdle of convincing them to use language yeah. they never use in their schools and they mm-hmm. never see in their TV shows. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a, an additional barrier. That's not, not worth it. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's why I use the the words gay LGBT <clears throat> queer. Mm-hmm. Cause those are the words that kids are using these days yeah. and, and I want to reach them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks for clarifying that. And I'm sure that does set some people's minds at ease. I'm sure other people, it did not set their minds at ease, but again, no matter who you are and, 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 and where you are in your walk, um, like you're welcome here. And I hope you listen to, to what I have to say and what Peter has to say. Um, and one, one last disclaimer, and I don't want this whole show to be disclaimers, but just, I want to share a little bit of, um, my, my own experience is like my life of faith has been very much influenced by, um, like some gay men who were mentors of mine, like on my first uh, like retreat with my youth group when I was 15. And that's like the, I'd, I'd grown up in church, but that was the experience where I was like, Whoa, Jesus is real and God loves me. Like my small group leader who was, who was an adult and was singing in the choir in our church. Uh, he was a gay man. I didn't know that at the time. I don't think he was, he was, it was acting on those desires at the time. He's not really part of the church anymore, but like he was an image of like a strong Christian man to me. And like, I am indebted in my faith to him, my choir director all through high school. Um, my, my roommate, my freshman year uh, of college who, um, who's a uh, transgender, like these, these are, uh, the, the first person to welcome me to college when I first worst got there, uh, is a woman who's now les or I guess you, I don't know how, what she would say, but now she lives as a, as a lesbian. And so there are the, these people in my life who I'm very much indebted in my faith, um, to them. And so I, I just, I have gratitude for those people, um, 
in, in my life. So enough disclaimers. Let's get into it. What is Schitt's Creek? So Schitt's Creek, if you, if you don't know it, um, is just this uh, really quirky, weird, silly little show uh, with these characters, the Roses, who are, are not a rags to riches, but a riches to rags story. And it ran for, I think it was seven seasons. I meant to write that down, but I didn't. So, But uh, I'm pretty sure it ran for, for seven seasons. And it just ended, I think, in 2020. And, uh, it you know, if you haven't heard of this, I'm sure you know somebody who has watched this show. It was huge. And it's really funny. Just the characters are great. The acting is great. It's just I, I, I love it. I, I think it's great. What, what do you like about this show, uh, Peter? Yeah, gosh, the, I think how quotable it is, <laughs> is the, the, the first things that comes to mind. Uh, I mean, I think you quoted, uh, how kind of Alexis often refers to her, her brother, David, you, David, uh, yeah. Ooh, David. Yeah, my brother's uh, name is David. So I say that to him all the time and he's never watched the show. So he has no go. idea what's going on, but I don't care. <laughs> So. Yeah, uh, so many great quotes. There's this scene um, where uh, David and Moira, his mom, are attempting to cook together, and mm-hmm. both of them have no idea what they're doing. And uh, they have this conversation about how how do you fold in the cheese? <laughs> and my the guys and I that live in in, in the house here together, and you know we're we're often cooking meals for each other, mm-hmm. and uh, that comes up regularly. That bit. <laughs> Uh, So yeah, very quotable. quotable. Yeah. There was one time uh, I was trying to do one of those things on Instagram where like you poll people and they can write in their answers. And then I didn't know how to like share what people responded. So I'm like texting my friends. I have this group check test with like five or six of my friends. Like, how do you do this? And they're like, you just do this. I was like, I don't see it. You just do this. And finally somebody's like, you just fold it in David. And I lost it. (laughs) It's like this thing that should be super simple, but you're just not getting it anyway. Yeah. So uh, absolutely. You're right. Um, a little bit of Lexus, that whole bit where she does, where she's, she's, she has like that song. Um, it's like mm-hmm. a Britney Spears song that she does that it's so, yeah, so many quotable moments and just ridiculous characters, kind of like Parks and Rec, kind of like The Office. I think if you liked those shows, um, it's kind of got a similar vibe of just these ridiculous characters. You can't believe how silly they are. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think in some ways, it, you know what it reminds me of in some ways is it reminds me of the Simpsons. I grew up watching mm-hmm. the Simpsons and, uh, it, it's funny. My dad was like very strict with what TV we could watch. He was a lot of things he didn't let us watch, but for some reason, the Simpsons, he thought was the smartest thing on TV. And we'd watch the Simpsons together as the family. And, uh, it kind of presents the worst of America and the best of America all together. And I think, I think Schitt's Creek does that really well. It kind of, mm-hmm. kind of pokes fun at some of the materialism, but it also shows like some of the, the softer side and, uh, the community. So there's some things I just, um, yeah, really like about the show. So, yeah. um, any things you don't like just artistically about the show? Um, I'll be honest. I'm not a big comedy person in mm-hmm. general. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, I, I, I don't have much, much to complain about. I think maybe similar to early seasons of like uh parks and rec mm-hmm. um or maybe like a place uh, a show like arrested development mm-hmm. there's a couple like cringy characters for oh, me yeah. <laughs> that maybe sometimes make watching a little difficult yes uh-huh. <laughs> but uh-huh. but i learned to like them over the seasons so yeah roland is like that for me where i was like oh i just i just get he's just icky <laughs> like, i just yeah yeah roland is definitely like that and uh yeah absolutely absolutely so um Let's talk about so uh, some of the characters we have. We have Johnny Rose. Let's uh, put some pictures up up here on the screen. So he's he's the father. He ran a, a video cassette rental 
business, which of course went under, but he was super rich and they were living in LA and they had this huge mansion with his wife, Mora, who was like a daytime soap opera star for a while, but now she's kind of washed up. And then Alexis, who's just kind of this spoiled brat socialite, who's just always off on, you know, a, a cruise in the French Riviera or traipsing around the world doing ridiculous things, kind of, kind of like the stereotypical Kardashian or Paris Hilton kind of, kind of life. Um, and uh, and then the brother David, you David, who's also super ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> and just his fashion, the things things that he wears, and um, yeah. And then they get to this small town. They they the only thing they have left is they one time Johnny bought a town like in a poker game, and so they end up in this town of Schitt's Creek, which is just like Podunk America, and they meet very different. It's kind of like the Odd Couple, but it's like Odd. America's it's like the two sides of America in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, do you have a, a character that you specifically this speaks to you and, and, and you love? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think because of some of the themes in the, in the show that we'll, we'll talk about, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, there's some ways that I relate to both David and Patrick as mm-hmm. a character in the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, and find their stories entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then Stevie as well, which we'll probably chat some about, mm-hmm. uh, just gosh, her dry humor. Um, and <laughs> very entertaining. Reminds me of gosh, who's the character from parks and rec who all the, the female character who also has very dry humor. Um, mm, I'm sure oh, what's her name. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, if, if you know, she, if you know, she, put it, the listeners put it in the show notes if you know. So, yeah, she dates Andy Dwyer <laughs> for a while. Anyway, Is that I forget her name. I'm not sure. No. April. April. Yes. Yes. Thank you, yes. Colleen. She Colleen from the producer. Like yes, it does. Yes. She definitely has some April um, vibes to her. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, what, what also I think is uh, um, funny about this show is it's, made primarily by Canadians like uh the um so Johnny the ac- the actor that plays Johnny and the actor that plays David like their father and son in real life and then they're they're like the sister is in the show too that uh plays Twyla and they're Canadian and they decided to make the show they had this concept for a show and I kind of feel like it's Canadians lampooning America a little bit <laughs> like making fun of the roses and just like how materialistic they are um and I know uh, that that's something I feel like is even true of American Christianity is sometimes it can be overly materialistic and we kind of lose sight of the gospel for, um, you know, being upper middle class. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've ever had experience of that in your ministry, but I feel like it's, that's a, like a constant fight I'm trying to fight even in my own life, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and, and yeah, criticism of kind of the, the American dream yeah. replacing God. Yes. Um, so, which is maybe easy to, to happen in a subtle mm-hmm. ways and, and for people in our churches not to recognize. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, it reminds me of Jesus saying like, blessed are the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, in the, in the Beatitudes in, in, in Matthew five and in Luke six, like you, you expect Jesus to say, when someone says, oh, I'm blessed, hashtag blessed, blessings on blessings on blessings, they're talking about, in, in rap songs, they're talking about like money, you know, affection from people, good relationships, all the stuff they have. And Jesus is like, no, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Like, what do you, what do you make of that? Do you, do you have a, a thought on that? 
Yeah. Um, I recently was uh, reminded of the kind of influence that St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila, kind of the, those Christian mystics yes. uh-huh. have had on me. And it seemed like one thing they were putting their finger on was that um, even some of some of these things you've described, that they are good and, mm-hmm. and they can come from God. Yes. Um, they are blessings and we can be thankful for them. There, there's nothing inherently evil about most of those things that you mentioned. But it, it, uh, it can become problematic when we are more in love with the gifts than the giver. Yes. Um, mm. And mm. and sometimes too many of those gifts um, can can spoil us, can make it difficult for us to, to, to love the right things. And so it seems like at times, at least in my life spiritually, uh, that God seems to have kind of pulled away some of those gifts to teach me how to love the truer things and to love the giver. And it seems like there's a, a, a version of that kind of happening in the show yeah. uh, that the the universe is 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 taking away from this family those uh, more kind of materialistic pleasures mm-hmm. and and giving them an opportunity to to discover the truer things. Yeah. Um. So you know, spoiler alert. Uh, oh how yeah, spoiler, it seems spoilers. I'm terrible about spoilers in the end. But yeah. Uh-huh. Um. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I get, I get some vibes, some dark night of the soul vibes from this show. Yeah. I, abs- I absolutely get that, that like through, not that God like punishes people with bad things, you know, but God can, God make all, all can make all things work for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. And mm-hmm. like, he can take these awful situations, even awful situations of our own doing of like bad business investments, like videotape shop and the 21st century, you know, even through that, like God can work that for the good. And, um, you know, I think we, from a Christian perspective can see like, yeah, and and God is in, in some kind of small R way, you know, redeeming these people in, in kind of a, on a very practical level of helping them to grow into maturity, um, and, and using these circumstances to, to help them, help them mature and, and, and grow into like better versions of themselves. So, um, Yeah, I loved what you said. Sometimes we value the gift more than the giver. Man, tweet that. Get that trending. <laughs> that should be. Well, I think I'm quoting another someone. You're else, quoting somebody. So yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> whoever whoever said it, I'm glad you said it too because that that is great. Um, and I, I think that's a great way to kind of conceptualize that w- idea that Jesus says, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Like it's it's recognizing that even if we have an abundance of riches, still we're poor. Right. Still, still, we have this need, this in our ultimate need is for a relationship with God and mm-hmm. nothing else can fill that. No relationship, no amount of, of, of wealth or American dream or white picket fence. Again, those things can be good, but they're never going to, they're never going to satisfy. Um, so, yeah, that those things can be stewarded well, Yes, absolutely. but there's a temptation for us to distract, for them to distract us from mm-hmm. the truer things. And so it seems like to me, Jesus is almost saying it might be easier for those who have less mm-hmm. because to, to, to love Jesus well, yeah. um, because, uh, they, they don't have as much of the temptation, uh, to, to lose themselves yeah. in mm-hmm. pleasures that they think that they have, have created for themselves. Yeah. Wow. Um, so not to say it is easy to be poor in any way, but to say yeah. that there is, there's a particular temptation of wealth. Yes. There's an opportunity mm-hmm. to steward it well. Mm-hmm. There's a temptation for it to, to numb us from reality and numb us from our need for God. Amen. Amen. I love that. Um, 
you mentioned St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila. By the way, do you know my daughter's name is Avila? No, I didn't. Yeah, my daughter's name is Avila. So I love Teresa of Avila. She's like, oh my gosh, small mm, world. My, that's my girl. So you mentioned this idea of the dark night of the soul. Can you give us maybe just like a like 30 second to, to one minute? Just like, what is that for people that don't know about the dark night of the soul? Oh, sure. So, so these Christian, uh, these Catholic mystics suggested that uh, it's actually fairly common uh, after uh, kind of in a, in a more mature place in someone's spiritual life mm-hmm. for God to intentionally uh, make himself harder to find, harder mm-hmm. to sense, mm-hmm. harder to feel. Um, so to kind of to teach and discipline us to um, to to connect with him in deeper ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes that might be if we found it easy to feel good while mm-hmm. praying and worshiping. Yeah. But we've gotten to a place where we're more in love with the feeling mm. of feeling good while praying yeah. and worshiping than really desiring God. Yeah. Um, that yeah, God is teaching us. He's, 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 um, he's training us to, to hear his whispers. Yeah. Um, instead of following his kind of shouting, yeah. um, ultimately drawing us into a deeper relationship with him. Um, but that time of God feeling distant mm-hmm. may last for a long time. Yeah. And for <clears throat> even some saints, it seemed to last for their entire lifetime. Yeah. They never got out of that dark night of the soul, that kind of sense of being in a desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that's kind of normal. If anyone listening is feeling like they're in that place now, mm-hmm. um, you're not alone. You're not the only Christian to have yeah. experienced that. It is painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's ultimately for our good, but it yeah. makes sense why it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Um, anyway, would encourage anyone who feels like they're experiencing something like that to, to grab a copy of, uh, uh, interior, uh, castle by, mm-hmm. uh, St. Teresa of Avila or St. John of the cross, the dark night of the soul, or talk to your priest, yeah, talk, um, talk or, to or a spiritual mentor in your Absolutely. life about, about mm-hmm. this season for you. Yeah. And I, I know I've, I've gone through, through dark times like that. And, and, and looking back, um, like some of those were the most spiritually fruitful times because it's easy to think that because I don't feel God, God has abandoned me. And, mm. um, that's that God is the Holy spirit can't be measured by like your emotional level, right? Like the Holy spirit yeah. working in your life. So I think, um, yeah, I, I, thought, I love the way you, you summarize that. I thought that was a really good way to, to put it. What it makes me think of is, um, I used to be a swim coach when I was younger and, uh, you know, at first you kind of hold the kid's hand, but at some point, you got to like back up and let the kids swim to you or they never reach that like next stage of being able to, to go a little bit further on their own. So that, that's kind of how I understand it is it really is an act of love and it's, and it's for your good. So I love the way that you, um, explained that. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, I think this is what everyone's waiting for us to talk about. <laughs> let's talk about David and, and Patrick. So uh, David, in the beginning of the show, he has a relationship with Stevie. Um, not particularly healthy. They're just kind of like hookup buddies, you know, but they do form a real friendship. But I think that friendship, uh, it's almost like the sex kind of gets in the way of the friendship and they're, they're better off for each other just as friends. Um, but then it comes out later in the, the show um, that David is also attracted to men. He kind of, there's this, this famous scene where he's like, I just like the wine. I don't like the label. Um, which kind of gives you an idea of their, his, his understanding of, of, of kind of how superficial, um, physical differences can be and sexuality can be. And, uh, then he meets Patrick who initially is like a business partner. Um, but they come to have this, this romance. So, um, I know I said I wouldn't have any more disclaimers, but there's, there's one story I do want to share. 
Um, and I've never shared this publicly before. Um, but I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like the Lord put it on my heart. So I want to share it. So when I was a freshman in college, I shared with you that, uh, my, my roommate, um, now is living as a transgender woman was, was not at the time. At least I, I was not aware of that. If, if he, she was, um, at the time went by, he now goes by she. Um, but we got along great and you know, we were, we were good roommates. You know, we, 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 we weren't like super good friends, but we got along. Um, this was probably the time in my life when I struggled with sexual sin and pornography more than any other. And I share this because it was, it was the first time I had my own internet access, the first time I had my own computer. Um, and that year more than any other is the time I struggled with that in my life. And I share that because one time when I was doing stuff I should not have <laughs> been doing, um, my roommate walked in and like, I was caught like literally with my pants down and like, I was, I was a church kid. Like I prayed, I played in the worship band. I was going to daily mass. I was part of the pro-life group. I was praying the rosary every night. Like I was known around campus as like, that's church kid. And here is musical theater, um, LGBTQ, gay, transgender, you know, seen it as what many people would see as like the anti-church, the anti, um, campus ministry crowd. And like, here I am like caught in the shame of my own sin. And, you know, my roommate didn't, didn't say anything, you know, and like, it, it was, it was awkward or whatever. But I guess what I'm saying with this story is I don't see myself like in any sort of like superiority to people who have different struggles than me for people who are attracted to different things than I'm attracted to. Um, like, all of us are in need of God's grace and God's mercy and God's redemption. And like, I don't, I don't see myself as better than anybody else or more holy than anybody else. Like I know, I know I'm a sinner who needs God's mercy. So anyway, I just, I just kind of want to share that. Um, so I feel like, I feel like God wanted me to share that. Who knows? Maybe that's TMI. Sorry listeners. If that was TMI. <laughs> uh, so what, Let's let's talk about this relationship. You said that there were some things that both in Patrick's story and in David's story that that you related to. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think maybe it's helpful first to share and, and kind of related to like to what you just <laughs> shared. This sense that um, I think something that the show feels like it's trying to get at mm -hmm. is. It is kind of to level the playing field, to normalize some things that that, that maybe don't seem normal or, or the same or as familiar to a lot of us. And, mm -hmm. and there's good and bad of that. So some yeah. of what I hear you sharing with even your personal story is sharing that to say, um, you know, my hurt is not worse. My, my sin, what I struggle with is not worse than what someone else does. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we want to recognize that because we want those who – who, who are listening, who, who may be gay, who may be queer to feel, we want them to feel free and to share in their families and in their churches yeah. and seek God's love and God's wisdom for that part of their life and every part of their life. And, and yes. if we're in a, a church or a family where it feels like those things are worse, yeah, those mm -hmm. things are more broken mm -hmm. than uh, that. That's that, one that that's, that's not true, right? That's mm -hmm. a lie that the enemy is trying to tell us to keep us isolated. Yeah. Um, and, and two, that means that we, we cut ourselves off from support and, and mm -hmm. we hurt more. So, so there's a sense that, right. I mean, uh, yeah, Dan, um, David's character in the show is, is, pa is pansexual. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that means he, he's, 
kind of sexually, uh, romantically and emotionally attracted towards people regardless of their sexual and gender identity mm-hmm. right and he's you you mentioned he's like in multiple relationships he's in a relationship with a girl and then he's a kind of almost in a three-way relationship with the guy and yeah. the girl mm-hmm. and then he sleeps with an ex-boyfriend and then he gets into this relationship with patrick and then in like a later season they're even contemplating a threesome with another guy there's mm-hmm. like right mm-hmm. um so there's a lot going on there yeah and the characters in the show that they don't experience same-sex attraction the, the straight characters in the show are just are having just as much, yeah. you know, kind of um, meaningless romantic and, and, and sexual encounters, or at least um, boundaryless. Yeah, um, not the traditional biblical encounters. ethic. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and and Gus, I think for a lot of listeners, people who kind of ten years ago would have freaked out about a show that had a prominent gay character mm-hmm. are, are, are people who today are maybe quoting the most quotable things from Shit's Creek and thinking nothing of it. Yeah. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. think back to like a decade ago when modern family or glee first came mm-hmm. out yep. and people freaked out about gay characters on those shows. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, to date us, this was before a Supreme court decision mm-hmm. about gay marriage. This is back when Barack Obama still said he believed that marriage was, was between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now 10 years later, we're, we're watching Shit's Creek where there's mm-hmm. a, a pansexual main character who's in thruples and all kinds of different, th- yeah. different mm-hmm. things. Right. So, so I think there's good about that, right? That's, it's, it's easier for kids to believe that they, that they aren't unlovable, that mm-hmm. they are lovable. Yeah. It's easier for kids to believe that they are not gross or evil for merely experiencing same sex attraction when the yeah. stuff is more normalized in media. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause gosh, that, that sense of being unlovable and gross and evil led to so much depression and suicide out suicidality for people. But Uh I think there's some, some, uh, a challenge with this being normalized, right? Because I think a takeaway from the show could be that people can have sex with whomever they'd like to outside of meaningful commitment. Mm -hmm. And there are few, if any consequences. Yeah. And, and, Um, and the body, the butt like that, you can just treat your body like a thing and use it for whatever you want. Whereas yeah. I feel like a, a more holistic Christian understanding is we aren't just a soul. We are a body and a soul. And not, it doesn't just matter what you do with your soul. It matters what you do with your body and what you do with your body affects your soul. And, um, you know, there's a reason we, we care for the poor. We don't just pray for them. Right. And there's a reason why sex is not just about the physical reactions of your body, but about a commitment of soul, mind, you know, emotions. It's, it, it's holistic. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. Um, that there, yeah. there is, there is some good in that it, it, you know, representation is important. And so, um, uh, a young gay person might not feel alone because they see something on Shit's Creek. But then I think, um, you know, if it was, it was, you know, my son or my daughter, I would all, who was, who was, uh, you know, discovering these feelings, attractions toward the same sex, I would then want to have the conversations like, well, but also like that is not going to lead you to true happiness and true fulfillment. So, um, yeah. And I think that provides, I mean, that caveat aside that there's mm -hmm. brokenness in many of the relationships in this show, there's maybe by accident, maybe by common grace, there's some deep, deeply beautiful things that some of these relationships are getting at. I think yeah. getting at our need to to be loved and to believe we're lovable. Yes. Um, the importance of of like platonic friendship. Yes. So so for example, a, a way that kind of I felt really touched by this show was David and Patrick's mm-hmm. um, 
uh, relationship, and particularly kind of this Patrick character. Uh, he he, um, it's relatable for me and maybe many of us listening to the show because we grew up in a church uh, where we didn't think we could share about this part of our story, so maybe mm-hmm. we stayed in the closet for a long time. Yeah, and Patrick, this character basically seems to have been in the closet has been hiding his sexuality until he meets David, this, you know, out of towner city guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a touching way that David makes it safe for Mm -hmm. Patrick to share more of who he is and find deeper friendship. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Now I don't think that has to then end in romance and sex though. And that is Mm -hmm. where their friendship goes. But I just, I want to know, I want to notice that there's a lot of good in creating space, safe space for other people to share this mm-hmm. part of their story and have deep free friendship around that, that, that shared awareness. Yes. And if um, our church is not a safe place and if our spiritual leaders are not safe people that they can go to, where do you think, where do you, where do you think people are going to go? They're going to go to where they experience acceptance. Right. And yeah. I think that was, that was the lesson of Jesus, right? Yeah. Jesus went to the tax collector's house. He went to the prostitutes and it scandalized people. How dare could you hang out with them? How dare could you have dinner with them? How dare could you eat food from a tax collector who's exploiting the people? Like just that guilt by association. And, but you know, the encounter comes before repentance. Like there is a call to repentance. There is a call to a different way of life, but the encounter in the love comes First, And I think so many in our church are getting that backwards. Like, okay, gay person, we will love you if you only call your sex self same sex attracted. You only, you know, you know, don't talk about it too much. You there's, there's, and, and if you grow up as a, a gay person, you get that message loud and clear in a lot of our churches. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I think you posted something the other day on your social media that our churches need to be places where uh, celibate uh, queer Christians are thriving because if they're not thriving in our churches, they can't thrive anywhere. And if we expect yeah. and we call um, queer Christians to live by this traditional sexual ethic, but we don't provide a space for them. We don't provide a welcome for them. They're not thriving in our church. Like what, what yeah. do we, where do we expect they're going to go? So yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And I think a key to that is finding, deep, meaningful friendship. Uh, maybe I might call it spiritual friendship. And we Mm -hmm. see these kind of spiritual friendships in the stories of David and Jonathan and Ruth and Naomi and Mm -hmm. Jesus and John and Paul and Timothy in scripture. And and I mean, and I see some of that in this show too. I mean, you talked about David and, uh, and Stevie's Mm -hmm. friendship. Yeah. Uh, they thought, and it's really interesting what goes on there because they, they thought at first that what they wanted was sex and romance. Mm-hmm. It, it almost because that's the narrative from our culture yes. is that the most meaningful ways to connect our sex and romance. Absolutely. And then as a, as a, as a relationship, as a people in relationship with each other, they kind of realized we don't want sex and romance. We want a deep friendship. Yeah. We want to mm-hmm. be best friends. Um, and, um, and, and in some ways uh, for a lot of the show, Stevie and David's f- friendship is just as important as any romantic relationship that Stevie or David are in with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I will say it's, it's difficult then when later in the show, um, it seems like it, 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 it portrays that David and Patrick's relationship becomes more meaningful mm-hmm. than David's friendship with Stevie. Yeah. Um, um, can I ask you about, but, and Oh, sorry. Yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask you about two things. So you've, you've talked about um, one, uh, you know, 
queer Christians, well, queer people, people in general, like we need meaningful friendships. And some people that, that I've talked to would look at something like you're doing with the Nashville, Nashville family of brothers. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Yeah. The Nashville family of brothers. And they would say, well, that's not a smart idea. That's a near occasion of sin. That's like, mm. you know, putting that, that's just setting people up to fail. Um, and you know, like I, I think some people look at, you know, two, two gay men or two gay women having a close friendship almost as impossible. Well, just like some people say it's impossible for a male and a, a man and a woman to really be friends. Something, you know, when Harry met Sally, something will always be sexually mm-hmm. attracted. Like, what do you, what do you have to say to that? Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely need to be wise. We shouldn't mm-hmm. be reckless. Um, and, and I'll also point out that in the Nashville family of brothers, uh, it's not just a community for men who are gay, for men who experience same-sex mm-hmm. attraction. Uh, we've got men discerning and 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 interested in taking next steps with our community uh, with a variety of of experiences and stories and sexual orientations. So, mm-hmm. um, so I I I think a brotherhood like this should reflect the diversity within the body of Christ, yeah. including we need to have people in our community who don't experience same-sex attraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so. But, you know, I think a lot of this is about meeting our intimacy needs in healthy ways. So if someone believes that as humans, we have to have sex or romance to be whole people, Mm -hmm. then it makes sense that you would doubt whether someone could be celibate and in an intimate community with people that they might be attracted to Mm -hmm. and could continue to be faithful. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. what do we see? Uh, Jesus living a life of celibacy. Um, being the fulfillment of what it means to be truly and fully human, yep. never had sex or romance. Mm-hmm. And what are we destined for in the new heaven and new earth, in the new Jerusalem, where where creation will be fulfilled? It's a place without sex, romance, marriage, or bearing any new children. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think both of those have got to tell us that we don't need sex or romance to be whole Christians. Yeah, we. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good thing. It's yeah. necessary on this side of the new heavens and the new earth for yes. some people in our churches. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it's very possible with God's grace to, to, to be, to be celibate and to mm-hmm. meet our intimacy needs in healthy ways without romance or sex. Yes. So what that means then is that we don't have an inherent need for romance or sex. We just have needs for emotional and spiritual and intellectual and physical intimacy that can be met in a romantic or sexual relationship, Mm -hmm. but also can be met just with our relationship with God Mm -hmm. and with platonic friendships and with family, with other celibate people. And so I think it's a lot of it is is about rightly ordered desires. Mm -hmm. It's about um, proactively and first meeting my intimacy needs Mm -hmm. in healthy ways with friendship. And then I find that I don't really have a desire. Uh, I, I don't find the temptation to engage in same-sex sexual or romantic activity yeah. very powerful mm-hmm. if I have been actively meeting my needs for for intimacy in healthy ways yes. in the recent past. And and that's not just for people who are living celibacy. I can tell you as a exactly. married man with lots of married friends, if you don't have that intimacy with God, if you don't have healthy expectations for intimacy with your your wife, your husband, if you don't have good friendships, it's just as easy to, to feel lonely and to let that drag you into sexual sins like pornography or adultery or all all sorts of stuff. Like getting married does not solve that loneliness. It does not solve those issues. Um, I, uh, we, we did, uh, an episode on that, uh, that Justin Bieber song, Holy, um, 
and with my friend Brian Greenfield, and uh, we we mashed it up with that Ariana Grande song "Positions." And, and he he was talking about, I was like, "What do you think is harder, celibacy or marriage?" And I was like, "Oh, that's a good question." And he said, "They're both they're both equally impossible. Only with God's grace can you live your vocation well." Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think a lot of people think, "Oh, I'll get married," and and that and maybe they don't say this out loud because it sounds dumb when you say it out loud, but it's an internal belief that if I get this thing, you know, just like wealth, right? We love the giver. We love the gift over the giver and the gift of a spouse too can become an idol. And we can think that's going to fulfill our needs for intimacy. And it may in some healthy ways, but it's not going to do it entirely. We still need good friendships. We still need a relationship with God, the father. Um, so I think that, and that is a great lesson that people like you who are committed to celibacy and living celibacy are like a prophetic signpost for us married people saying that this, this is not your idol. This is not your ultimate happiness pointing to the new heavens and the new earth pointing to the life to come that there is something more and that's where we will ultimately be fulfilled. So uh, yeah, uh, my next question was going to be about celibacy and then you already went there. So <laughs> I'm thankful for you. What they is that was, that was really good. Um, yeah. So we don't have a whole lot of uh, a time left. Was there anything about uh, Schitt's Creek or just um, in general about what we've been talking about that you want to make sure you say before we're done? You know, I uh, there there's so a lot of the show where it begins and where it ends is this question of um, where is home? They're always trying to get out. The family's always trying to get out of Schitt's Creek mm-hmm. and get back to their their materially wealthy lives before that right Mm -hmm. but in the meantime what we see with this family over these seasons is they discover deeper experiences of friendship and family and meaning Mm -hmm. at this place where they think uh lacks anything worthwhile Mm -hmm. deeper meaning and friendship and, and connection and belonging than they'd ever experienced before yeah and so i think it's really disappointing when the conclusion of the show is that most of them leave yeah. Mm-hmm. When they when they finally get when they finally get their ticket out that doesn't fall through because so many of the seasons uh, through, earlier yeah. seasons end with they think they're going to get out and they don't, mm-hmm. you know. Um but uh so it's sad that the way that it ends is is many of them leave. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's just um as someone who's who's been um considering what to do with my singleness. And does that yeah. mean I'm available to move anywhere and go anywhere and do mm-hmm. anything? Actually, I've realized that God, I think, has called me to stay mm. um, in many ways because the only way to to benefit from the ways you've invested in, in your local church mm-hmm. and in your friendships with people outside of your home, your immediate family, mm-hmm. um, and the only way to stay connected to your extended family mm-hmm. is to stay where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if there's less culture where you are, there's less job opportunities where you are, there's less marriage prospects where you are, there's mm-hmm. less opportunities for status and power where you are. You're going to lose something when you leave. Yeah, that's true. And I just, I think that's on display in a big way in this show mm-hmm. is, is they moved to Schitt's Creek where they thought they'd find nothing. They actually just mm-hmm. dis- discovered deep relationship and belonging. And in the end, they were willing to trade it away for mm-hmm. more jobs, yeah, uh, more status, more power, more money. And, and I mm-hmm. don't think that trade's worth it. I don't think it was worth it for the roses in this fictional yeah. Schitt's Creek TV uh-huh. show. I don't think it's worth it for a lot of us Americans. Yeah. I think it would be better for many of us to stay uh, where we are. Oh man, Oof. you're gonna you're gonna get me in trouble preaching that Jesus stuff. <laughs> but I agree, I agree. I mean, that's 
yeah, it's it's some it's it's not a, a worldly. Um, I think following following the path of Jesus, like it's going to be at contradiction with like what the world says is success is happiness. Yeah. Um, but it's so much sweeter. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so uh, I often ask my guests if they would close us in a prayer, kind of reflecting on the themes that we've talked about. Would you feel comfortable leading a, a prayer for us and our listeners? Yeah, sure. Awesome. So listeners, wherever you are, let's take a moment and uh, we're going to pray. Hey, God, shows like Shit's Creek uh, remind us that um, there are, are, are good things um, like cars and homes and pretty clothes and, um, and nice vacations that, that you've made and you've made possible for us that, that can be really good. But sometimes those things um, can distract us from what's what we're really made for uh we're made to to worship and serve and connect with you god we're made to um enjoy uh human intimacy with other uh image bearers in the context of 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 family that reminds us of of what's true about your love god in the trinity and between christ and the church we're made to to labor to, to bring about wholeness and, and healing in this world and creation. Um, and uh, the pleasures of this world can sometimes distract us, can trick us into thinking that those things we're, we're really made for are what will de- most deeply satisfy us. So, so I pray, God, uh, that you would, you would show us uh, in our uh, lives in the coming days and weeks uh, what the truer, deeper things are. Uh, that you've called us to, um, and that God, if it's necessary, um, that you would uh, maybe withdraw from us some of the, the some of the distracting pleasures, um, so that we could learn to love um, the giver more than the gifts. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Well, wow, that was a that's a gutsy prayer. <laughs> Giving God permission to withdraw some things. That's, whew, I don't I don't always feel like I have the faith to say that prayer, but that's a that's Ooh. that's heavy. <laughs> so thank you, thank you so much. Um, if you are, if, if listeners and viewers, if you are involved in church ministry at all, please, please, please go follow Equip. Go follow Peter Valk on on social media. You may not agree with everything he's doing or all his approach, but he is asking so many of the right questions and there are hurting people in our church that feel like nobody sees them. Um, and that's what Peter is trying to do. So even if you disagreed with some of the stuff that we said today, um, I, I'm, I'm thank you for, for listening to us and having help helping us to have this, uh, controversial conversation out loud and in public. And Peter, thank you for, for doing that with me. I know that's, that's kind of a, a gutsy thing to do, even though you do it all the time. Um, so Peter, if people want to follow you, if they want to know more, where can they find you? Yeah, um, my uh, kind of handle is uh, at uh, my first name, P-I-E-T-E-R-L, as in Lion, Volk, V as in Victor, A-L-K, uh, on all platforms. And then if you want to learn more about uh, the, the ministry that I run, doing tr- consulting and training with churches, that's equipyourcommunity.org. We're also on Instagram. And if you want to learn more about the Nashville Family of Brothers, uh, you can learn more at familyofbrothers.org 
Uh, and then we're also on Instagram at Nashville family of brothers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would love to stay connected and yeah. answer any of you guys questions. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let them know. And Peter, I hope people hire the crap out of you because I think your ministry is so necessary for our church. I've just met, I've met so many hurting people through the years that, um, I feel like I had some incomplete answers for, you know, I, I like know the church's sexual teaching and I believe the church's sexual teaching, but I, I'm not always sure pastorally, like how do, how do I love people in this community? Um, and so I feel like you're equipping people to do that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Cause it's not easy and it's necessary work. So thank you. My name is Mike Tenney. I'm your host of pop culture catechism. You can find me online at Mike music.com or pop culture catechism.com or follow me on social media at PK Mikey T. If you want to support this show, you can go to pop culture catechism.com and choose a giving level and become a patron and you'll get exclusive content right after this. Peter and I are going to talk a little bit more about that. You know, should you give, should you go for the, the job? Should you go for the relationship and how do you know the difference between that so we'll talk about that that's all in the awaken app for patrons and even if you're not a patron you can get the awaken app and there's lots of cool stuff in there that's totally free prayer library christian music library great community of like-minded catholics and christians and just access easy access to all the shows on awaken catholic so thank you for being with us go ahead and boop that like button on youtube or facebook if you liked this show share it with somebody who you think would benefit from this conversation let us know what you think in the comments charitably even if you disagree Agree, and we will see you next time. A special thank you and shout out to all of our patrons who make this show possible, but especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Stephen Maggie Hubbard, Rob Smith, and Tom and Emily Comberiati. Thank you so, 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 so much. Right now is the perfect time to become a patron because in Lent 2022, I am giving a six-week lecture series during Lent at a parish nearby where I will be going through the greatest hits of Catholic spirituality. It's kind of a crash course in how to pray in different methods of prayer. So if you've been looking for a way to jumpstart your prayer life, if you become a patron, you get access to all of those talks as well as all the other talks I give, plus the exclusive content for each episode. So now is the perfect time to become a patron. Another reason this is the perfect time to become a patron is because I'm about to film a bunch of new episodes, and if you sign up at popculturecatechism.com to be a patron before March 3rd, that's Ash Wednesday this year, you will get an email from me asking for your input on the topics that we're going to discuss. You'll get to see the topics in advance and get to give input. That's for tier two patrons and above. And tier three patrons and above, you'll actually get to see my episode notes, and you'll get to comment on specific things in the episode and give me ideas. I can shout you out in the episode. And after Afterwards, you'll get to see all the stuff that we didn't get to talk about in the episode. So if you're interested in becoming a tier two or tier three patron, now is the perfect time to do it before March 3rd, 2022. Thank you so much.